0: This is Anglia, an audio drama from the Alternative Stories and Fake Realities Podcast. Part 1, Arrivals.
1: Most landscapes evolve over millions of years, ice and wind. Sea and rain do their work to slowly sculpt valleys and hills, shape coastlines and rivers, lakes, mountains. But some landscapes are changed by humans in decades rather than millennia. The fens of eastern England are nothing more than hundreds of square miles of swamps and marshes stretching from the sea as far inland as the city of Cambridge, haunted by spirits and the souls of people they lured to their deaths in the treacherous marshes. The swamps were drained to form rich, table-flat farmland, but the spirits remained. In the stories and folk tales the locals told and handed down from generation to generation. Stories of boggarts and marsh spectres, of mysterious lights called will-o'-the-wisps that travellers would mistake for friendly lanterns and follow to their deaths, drowned in the swamps and muddy pools stories conjured from the thick mists that still shroud the land from time to time, creating a sense of mystery and foreboding that has proven impossible for the fens to be rid of. But land that lies below the sea level can just as easily be reclaimed if the dikes and levees protecting it should break or sea levels should rise In the changing world of the mid-21st century, those rising seas have already started to claim back some of the land that man stole from the sea. The year is 2029, and this is Anglia. (sighs) You. <sighs> it's 5.30 and this is the Radio Fentland News. Cambridge police are looking for a man suspected of being involved in a hit and run incident in the Trumpington area of the city. A police spokesman said they are looking for the driver of a dark green Ford Apollo in connection with the incident. In Peterborough, far left demonstrators have clashed with police following a piece Text to,
2: to David Wyatt. And city hope you're okay, love. Thinking of you. Be safe out there on the sea. Hope you catch plenty. See you later, Millie. XX. Hope you are okay, love. Thinking of you. Be safe out there on the sea. Hope you catch plenty. See you later. Millie.
1: Kiss, kiss. Rewrite or send.
2: Send. in the morning when no one else is around. I'll put on my boots and just go where my instincts lead. Sometimes I'll walk through the woods before dawn on a winter's morning, my breath clouding in front of me. Sometimes I'll walk the coast path, listening to the waves breaking on the beach. Even on those short midwinter days when it's still too dark to see the sea. You can feel it as a presence, brooding and breathing out there in the blackness. I walk in all weathers, <laughs> all temperatures, all lights and all times of the year. I watch the changing seasons and my walks set the mood for my day. Calibrate my outlook. This morning I am up and about even earlier than usual. Couldn't sleep. I always struggle to settle when David is out on the fishing boat. I head for the beach wanting to catch the pink light of a September dawn colouring the wave tops. It's a normal morning until... A boat carrying migrants capsized to the
1: North Sea last night off the North Norfolk coast. The Cascade estimates that up to a In the area.
2: Investigation at first I can't tell what they are the light not quite good enough to give definition to the shapes I've seen seals on the beaches I've seen cargo washed ashore from the freighters plying their routes up and down the coast This feels different. That instinct the mind has to detect something unusual and terrible. A tingle in the back of the neck, the way the brain seems to say, wake up, pay attention, this is important. And then I realise bodies, dozens of them, Washed on the shore like driftwood carvings of people. Tiny children. Women. Young men. Helplessly flung ashore like artist mannequins. Posed into random, improbable shapes. Motionless on the wet sand. For a moment, I too am motionless, paralyzed in the half light as I struggle to comprehend, struggle to make sense of the sight in front of me. Then I rush back to the cottage, down 999 and sit, shaking forcing myself to breathe as I wait for the hours to pass till it's time to go to work. off hello love you're back early it's not even eight
1: boat developed a fault had to limp back into king's lynn on one engine
2: oh that's unlucky catch much
1: no didn't make it out into the main fishing grounds ended up pulling muscle and whelk pots with a boat from boston boring really
2: forget boring you're safe
1: that's all that matters The money matters, Millie. You know that. I won't have made a quarter of what I'd have got if we'd have pulled in a good haul off Jutland or the Zyder Zee.
2: But you haven't risked clashing with Danish or Dutch naval patrols either. Or getting caught in a storm, so sod the money.
1: We won't make ends meet unless I get a couple of proper trips out there each week, you know that.
2: Let's... let's not think about it now, eh? Listen, I've got to go to work in ten minutes, but... Let me make you a coffee before I go.
1: Thank you. You're amazing, Millie.
2: (laughs) I'd hardly describe myself as amazing. Nothing special. I've had a terrible start to the day, too. Terrible? How come? Migrant boat, um, capsized out there somewhere. (laughs) There were bodies on the beach, David. I hated it. It was so horrible. I thought of you, thought of them, little kids, women my age.
1: I shouldn't be trying to come here. Serves them right. Maybe if the news gets out about what happened, it will deter others from trying. It's our land, Millie, our home. I've lived in the Fens all my life and they're not going to take it from us.
2: Jesus, David. You sound like the bloody Prime Minister. It's not the war, you know. We're not fighting them on the beaches. These are innocent people who've gone through hell. They just want to feel safe. We can't begrudge them that.
1: I can't believe you sometimes, Millie. They're trying to take our lifestyles, steal it from us. It's a harsh world, but we need to defend what we've got. They'll take it from us. You know that. Oh, Grow up, David, for goodness
2: sake, grow up. So depressing hearing you spouting fascism over coffee after what I've seen today.
1: Millie, I... Listen, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have been so forthright. Let's talk later, yeah?
2: I'm working a late shift tonight. If you promise to be a bit nicer... Why don't you come to the Green Dragon for a drink about eight? I think I'll be on the bar. If it's quiet, we can have a chat then.
1: All right, love. Uh, Have a good day. See you later.
2: Can I help you?
3: Yes, hi. I'm looking for a room for a few nights. Do you know any good guest houses or pubs with rooms?
2: We have rooms here. Nothing special, but I can do you a bed and breakfast for 150 a night. Are you on your own? Yep, just me.
3: The room sounds great.
2: Oh, do you have Teraband access and a desk I could work from? Teraband can be a bit slow at times, but the room has a desk. Are you a writer? Journalist.
3: I work for the American News Network. We're here covering the migrant crisis
2: We don't hurt them Not round here Oh, not, not like they did in Sussex or Kent
3: I, I never said you did That's not the angle of our story The American public can't imagine the scale of what's going on here And whilst it's not exactly front page news It's starting to gain some traction
2: We can't even imagine it ourselves Not even sure how it got this way The government don't seem to want to know about it They just built the camps and assumed that was the end of it.
3: What do you know about the camps? Know anyone who could get me into one of them? I'd like to see what they're like for myself.
2: My husband, he does some work in Eachem. That's the second largest camp.
3: Could he get me in, or at least give me a name to call? (sighs) Sorry. How rude of me. I'm Rachel.
2: Rachel Woods. Millie. Millie Wyatt. Nice to meet you, Rachel, but not sure I'm going to be able to help. The camps are incredibly secretive. David could lose his job is No,
3: sorry, Millie. Don't risk that for me. Maybe if he could just give me a name, a number to call. Hey, listen, it's quiet. Let me buy you a drink. Get to know each other. If I'm going to be staying here for a while, it would be good to get started on good terms. <laughs> So, you think we'll fall out later then? No, I. No, that's not what I meant. Sorry. Clumsily put. Let me buy you a drink. And I'll take the room. Like me to pay up front?
2: I'll ask the boss. I need work here. What can I get you to drink?
3: Oh, uh, give me a beer. Something local. When in Rome.
2: Adnam's okay? <laughs> Brewed in Suffolk? Not too far down the coast from here. Sure. There you go. Enjoy. Cheers. Oh, wow. That's
3: got some flavour.
2: Yeah, that's a general idea.
3: So, tell me what it's been like here since the boat started arriving, Millie. When did you first become aware of it?
2: Well, there had always been lots of migrants trying to get across the Channel... Short of crossing, I guess, but.
3: One of the busiest shipping lanes in the world and only 22 miles wide, so easier to patrol.
2: Exactly, but also bigger towns on the south coast, more people to object. They formed into groups. People's Militias, they called themselves, as though they represented the entire population. But they were always the same makeup. White, undereducated men, willing to swallow every bit of rhetoric and propaganda coming out of the government basically doing the Home Office's work for them.
3: You think? Reckon the government turned a blind eye to their activities? Definitely.
2: And the same's true for what's going on in your country. Your president seems to approve too. She was using our people's militias as an example of what towns in Texas and New Mexico should be doing to keep out Mexican migrants. I know.
3: Not sure she realises or cares how many people have died as a result of what's been going on.
2: None of them do. They're not on the front line. Tucked up in their cosy beds in London, or Washington, or Paris, or wherever. Haven't had to look at bodies strewn across the beach, or kids locked up away from their parents, or poor sods falling from the undercarriages of aeroplanes.
3: It was terrible to hear about that boat that capsized not far from
2: here. They closed all the beaches, I heard. Don't, um, please, I... I'm sorry... It's just that I was walking by the beach this morning and saw him. The bodies. Oh,
3: God. That must have been awful. Would
2: you mind? I'm not going to talk about it, if that's what you're going to ask. Uh, Sorry, uh, that was rude. It's just that I've spent the entire day trying to push it from the forefront of my mind, and I... I'm sorry... I just can't talk about it yet, sorry. No, of course not. Let's
3: talk about something else. Can I get you another drink before I head up to my room? It's Rachel. Could I have the editor's office, please? Oh, hi. May I speak to Laura Michaels, please? Yes, Rachel Wood's here. I'm in England covering the migrant crisis.
4: Rachel, hi. Good journey. How are you?
3: Yes, fine, thanks. Got myself set up here. Desk to work at. Tear band, not the best, but I'll survive.
4: Good. Look, I'm going to need a whole week's worth of reports from you. We're going big on this. This echoes the stuff that's going on down on the Mexico border, and we want to try to say that it's not just the U.S. that's having these issues. I know, Italy, Spain, and France have it far worse than England, but so many of our listeners can relate to Britain much more easily.
3: Absolutely, that's fine. I've got about a dozen ideas for different stories and angles, so I'll run them past you later and you can choose the ones that best fit your agenda.
4: That's great. Keep me posted, Rachel. Look after yourself.
0: And now, we go over to our reporter, Rachel Woods, who is in England, covering the latest migrant crisis developing there. Rachel?
3: I'm here in East Anglia, England, where waves of migrants from North Africa and Northwestern Asia have been arriving in the last few weeks. Over the coming days, I'll be presenting a series of reports from this rural, isolated part of England called the Fens, looking at the impact of migration on those involved. My first report looks at the background to the crisis. When the water wars began in North Africa in 2026, huge numbers of migrants began to move from their traditional homes in Algeria, Tunisia, and Egypt through the eastern Mediterranean and north into Western Europe. As countries tightened their border security, it became more difficult for migrants to take the overland route to destinations in France, Germany, Scandinavia, and the United Kingdom. The waves of small boats crossing the crowded English Channel, which peaked last year, have been slowed by naval patrols in the Channel and battalions of British troops deployed across ports and beaches. The UK's Prime Minister announced increased spending on border patrols so the people smugglers and traffickers found a new way of getting migrants ashore. The dangerous process of winching small boats from the sides of tankers in the North Sea, the waterway which runs all the way up Britain's eastern coast, began earlier this year and has resulted in tens of thousands of migrants finding their way ashore along this sparsely populated coastline, which itself is suffering the effects of climate change. Low-lying land, much of it reclaimed from the sea back in the 16th and 17th centuries, is now falling victim to coastal erosion and flooding as sea levels continue to rise. Compounding these current issues in this part of the world are the effects of Brexit. Ten years on, and with over 12 million working-age Brits unemployed, East Anglia is particularly badly affected – Local unemployment rates amongst 20- to 40-year-olds can be as high as 60% in some communities where previously locally manufactured agricultural products were sold to buyers in Europe. Meanwhile, the government set up a chain of what it calls migrant processing facilities, known by locals as the camps along the coast. Here, refugees are housed and fed while authorities consider their claims for asylum. Some critics claim that they are not aware of a single migrant leaving one of these facilities other than to be repatriated back to their lands of origin. Locals, however, welcome the opportunities
0: for employment the camps bring. Join us each day this week for more reports from England and visit our website for up-to-date coverage of the crisis and more in-depth articles from Rachel and our other correspondents. This is ANN News.
4: loved the report. It's gone down really well here. We want you to dig as deeply as you can on the camps. Is it true that once refugees enter them, they're simply imprisoned with no prospect of ever finding their way into British society? We also want some human stories from the locals there. How does all of this affect them? How do they feel about the migrants? What about the impact of the economic crash? Talk to people. See if you can find anyone willing to go on record and talk on microphone.
3: I'll try got a couple of candidates in mind, but I'm not promising anything. This strikes me as quite a tight-knit, secretive sort of community. I'll hang out in the local pub, see what I can find once alcohol has been consumed.
4: Wish I could join you. Been ages since I was in England, and months since you and I properly caught up.
3: Let's make it a date when I get back.
4: Absolutely. Look, I know it's been tough for you lately. If there's anything you need, anything we can help with, just shout, okay?
3: Thanks, Laura. I will. Thanks for talking to me, David. I'm going to record this if that's okay.
1: Okay. But I'm not going to say anything that could get me into trouble if that's what you're hoping for.
3: No, no. I want to be sure to get exactly what you say right so I don't attribute stuff that you didn't actually say. You know what us journalists can be like.
1: Yeah. No. That's fine.
3: Okay, just going to do a little intro, then hand to you. David Wyatt interview on 19th September, 2029. David, you've lived in East Anglia all your life, and you do some work in the migrant camps. What can you tell us about the camps and the conditions
1: for the refugees in them? I I can't tell you much. I visit the camps maybe a couple of times a week. Me and a few of the lads from this village have set ourselves up a sort of odd jobs business. We'll do anything, carpentry, cleaning, painting, whatever they need. We're cheaper than the big city facility companies and we're local. They can call us day or night to do the jobs required. We don't ask questions, don't need insurance... And they know they can rely on us to keep our mouths shut if we see things that... You know, stuff they wouldn't want people to know about.
3: Like what? What have you seen, David?
1: I just said they can rely on us to keep our mouths shut.
3: Of course. Listen, I don't want you to say anything that could lose you your job. I know how difficult it is.
1: All I'll say is this, it's not like a holiday camp in those places. I wouldn't want my family in there.
3: Especially not if you've just marched your family thousands of miles across Europe and risked your life in the North Sea.
1: Well, that's their choice, isn't it? No one's making them do that. Well, no, but... I'm not saying I've got sympathy for them or anything. I just wouldn't want my family living in those conditions.
3: No. Okay, so you can estimate the numbers of refugees living in each of the camps?
1: I only know the Heacham camp well. I've been to Downham and Yarmouth a couple of times, but... I couldn't tell you much about them.
3: Okay, so Heacham. How many migrants in there? Any ideas?
1: I'd say more than a thousand. You see them exercising mid-morning, walking round, round the yard. It's, It's like a school playground or something. Gates and fences all around them. Make sure they don't get out.
3: And have you spoken to any of them?
1: We're not allowed to. One of them tried to speak to me once. A couple of months ago.
3: Yeah. What did they say?
1: He tried to shake my hand. Just said, good morning, sir. Smiled at me. Not been called sir for a while. Polite, then. Well, it's probably a trick, wasn't it? If I'd tried to shake his hand, he'd have had my watch or whacked me over the back of the head or something. Guard arrived immediately and pulled him away. Really?
3: Sounds like he was just saying hello.
1: Well, that's where you and I differ, isn't it, Rachel? You'd probably feel different if they were flooding into your country. You can write that too if you like.
3: David, wait. Okay, good night, David. Thank you. God, what is wrong with these people?
2: It's the morning of the bodies on the beach, I've shied away from walking by the sea. Silly, I know, you can't live this near the coast and not walk on the beach, but somehow I don't feel ready yet, can't quite face it. I walk across the road, through the gate, and then follow the field edges about mile and a half towards Laney's Wood. Oh, I love the smell of the woods at dawn. I love to hear the early morning bird song, see foxes and badgers going home after their nocturnal hunting. <laughs> I love the way that the trees seem to play tricks with the sound. I once spent an hour trying to catch a glimpse of a cuckoo in these woods. Every time I was convinced I was directly under the tree from which it was calling. I'd hear it once more and be equally sure it was somewhere else. (laughs) If you wanted to stay hidden in these woods, you probably could. For a few days at least. As I approach, I think I can see a faint wisp of smoke rising almost imperceptibly above the treetops. I convince myself it's my eyes playing tricks on me. Maybe a smudge of early morning mist, maybe a swarm of midges. But then, I see it again, and I'm sure it's smoke. The way it drifts, the way it rises upwards, then catches the breeze and disperses. Even then, I don't think anything is unusual or untoward. I suppose I just assume it is something to do with forestry, or logging. I first see the figure as I enter the woods by the southern path. My immediate thought is that it must be a poacher, checking his last few traps before heading home to sleep. But then I start to think it is the slender hooded shape of a young woman, ghost-like, in the pale morning light. Hello? Hello? She, the figure... Scurries off, seemingly startled by my presence. Summoning a courage I don't necessarily feel, I follow, slowly, picking my way through the ferny undergrowth, twigs cracking loudly beneath my feet. In not many steps, I stumble across a camp, hidden in a shallow dip, four or five low tents, a windbreak of leaves arranged on a wooden frame, a fire, burnt out, but still gently smoking. You could walk right past it without even noticing, especially in subdued light, the figure I'd seen earlier staring straight at me, her eyes seemingly both defiant and frightened at the same time. I stumble for words, consider retreating. I immediately understand what this is. Migrants who have somehow evaded the beach patrols trying to hide out in the woods to consider their position. Hello, Um, Millie, Um, my name is Millie. Do you speak English?
4: Arita.
2: I am Aira.
0: In Anglia Part 1, Arrivals, Jackie Jorgensen was Rachel, Tiffany Claire was Millie, Saya Sahawi played Awira. Charlie Richards was David. Catherine D'Addario played Laura, and Kelly Winkler was Willa. Other characters were played by Chris Gregory. The original music score was written and performed by Chris Gregory and published by Scared Crow Music. Sound effects were from freesound.org. The ANN news jingle was written and performed by Stonefree. The presenter is Kelly Winkler. Anglia is an Alternative Stories 2019 production for the Alternative Stories and Fake Realities Podcast. Please join us next week for part two of Anglia. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please recommend us to your friends. And if you have time, we would be extremely grateful if you could leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Positive reviews help to boost the status of the podcast and direct more listeners to our stories. This in turn means we are able to produce better and more frequent content. Find out more about Anglia, including biographies of the cast and the background to our story by visiting alternativestories.com. Please also follow us on social media where we are active on Twitter as stories alt and on Instagram as Stories.alt. We are grateful to all of our listeners. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app to hear the next episode of Anglia and all our other content. We are particularly thankful to Caroline Mix, Cheyenne Bramwell, and Ruthann Reed for beta listening this episode. listeners to alternative stories and fake realities will also enjoy a new podcast from british podcaster aiden rosewell his new show is called room and we had the pleasure of beta listening to an episode recently please seek out room in your favorite podcast app and visit at room podcast one on twitter to find out more room's first episode is launched on 15th of november